You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is so wonderful to be here. Welcome back to Muster Masterclass 3.0. And we are going to be addressing in the coming weeks some of the negative traits. And I particularly picked negative traits that are common for most people. So the first topic to tackle is anger. Anger is such a terrible trait. Anger is a negative trait that distances people from one another. No one likes being near an angry person. Relationships get torn apart by anger. A person can get lost in their anger and do very harmful things. So now you know what the class is about. Have a good night. I'll see you. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Okay. So let's, let's talk. One of my favorite topics to talk about is Ramban's letter to his son. He writes the most remarkable. This is the way he starts the letter. He says, Tisnaheg tamid lidaber kol benachas. Accustom yourself to always speak all of your words calmly and pleasantly to every man and at every moment. And in doing so, you will prevent your anger from flaring. Which is a very bad trait in a man which may cause him great sin. So Ramban here is, is saying to us very clearly that anger is a devastating trait. It's a terrible characteristic and it brings a person to grave sin. When we talked about the 48 ways and we talked about the uh, ways to acquire greatness, to maximize life, way number 22 is controlling your anger. And it is vital, it is critically important for a person to gain a hold on their anger, to be able to contain it, to be able to control it. One of the most important ways, we're going to talk about different ways to, to control anger, but one of the most important ways is by being willing to accept frustration, being willing to accept differences, and by willing to accept things that don't go our way. Not everyone needs to think like you, not everyone needs to act like you, and not everyone needs to talk like you. Not everyone needs to vote like you either, except that they don't always need to be your way, and one has to accept differences. So I want to read to you what the Rambam writes. The Rambam has an unbelievable writing about anger. And he says like this, Yesh Deos, there are certain character traits. We know that Rambam teaches us a very, very fundamental principle. And that is the golden path. Don't be an extremist to here. Don't be an extremist to there. Go in the middle road. 
which is what we're going to call here the the standard approach, the middle path. And Rambam is encouraging us in all matters of life, go on the middle path. Don't be an extremist in charity to give too much or to give too little. Go on the middle path. Don't be an extremist to be so patient and to go over overboard to the extreme this way, to overboard to the extreme that way. Go on the middle path. Rambam here makes an exception. He says, Hakas, anger, Midorohi ad lemeod. Anger is an extremely negative trait, and it is fitting for a person to distance himself from it to the opposite extreme. So Rambam here goes out of character, and instead of saying, Oh, just find the middle path, find the standard approach of things. He breaks away from that when it comes to anger because anger is such a devastating trait that one needs to be an extremist when it comes to anger. An extremist to remove themselves from every remnant of anger and not to allow anger to have any place in their lives. And a person should teach himself very important word here. person should teach himself, meaning it's something which is teachable. A person should teach himself that even if it's a matter that deserves and warrants your anger, to not get angry. Wow. Rambam. Unbelievable. Goes full throttle against anger. Anger is a devastating, terrible, terrible trait. In fact, the Talmud says someone who gets angry is like an idolater. It's like bowing down to an idol. Would anybody here bow down to, God forbid, to a cross? No, heaven forbid. We would, we would give up our lives not to do that. Our grandparents gave up their lives not to do that. I was just talking to someone this afternoon. They were like, who murdered more Jews than anyone, anyone in history? The Catholic Church. The Crusaders. Why? If you weren't willing to bow down to their idol, if you weren't willing to denounce God, they'd have, at every street corner was another festival uh, party of Jew burning, Jew killing, uh, desecrating the books of the Jewish people, um, or expulsions, massacres that can't be fathomed. We have a whole list. We've shown it in many of our classes. Anger, anger is a devastating trait. Anger only does damage. Nothing good comes out of anger. All right? So a person, what do we do to teach ourselves to stay away from anger? So the first thing is, I want to read to you what my grandfather says. My grandfather says, We have to teach ourselves to be patient people. 
we should set a time for ourselves every day, about 15 minutes. That in those 15 minutes, we'll be willing to accept any adverse opinion, anything that's irritating, anything that is... So imagine this. Imagine if you're a... uh a right winger. You can't stand listening to NPR. So why don't you turn on NPR for 15 minutes a day and just take it all in and be willing to accept or go out with a friend of yours for coffee and have a discussion about something that you completely disagree about and just be willing to accept it without getting angry, with recognizing that it's okay for a person to have a different opinion. Because the minute you're willing to accept that someone else has a different opinion than you, you're willing to accept that there is another way to look at things. You don't have to agree. There's no reason to get irritated by it. There's no reason to get worked up and to get angry because they don't think like you think. You see, everybody thinks that they're in the middle of the road. And everybody here is extremist to the right, and everybody there is extremist to the left. I'm in the center. Right? But the amazing thing is that everybody thinks that. Like me, I'm not an extremist. I'm pushing people off buildings and things like that. You know, it's like, no, I'm I'm the normal guy. You want to know who the extremist is? Those guys in in Kabul. Those guys are the. Uh, the extremists. Yeah, everybody thinks they're the middle of the road. This is not a question about who's right. Anger, when we talk about anger, it's not about you being right or wrong. Let's say you're 100% right and they're 100% wrong. Is it worth it for you to lose your cool? Is it worth it for you to become a mishugana because something didn't go your way? So either either way, the the idea again, the idea is is not about it. it, It's being willing to accept differences. You know, one of the most disappointing things in our culture today is cancel culture. I don't understand this whole cancel culture thing, because what does it mean? It means that if I don't agree with your opinion, I'm going to cancel you, and I'm going to get you. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put out articles in the newspaper against you and I'm going to shame you and I'm all because I disagree with your opinion. It's a terrible thing. There used to be something that was called dialogue. It's called discourse. You can, you can discuss things. You can disagree all day, but be best friends. That's fine. You know, what is love? What is love? Is there any person on planet Earth that you've ever met that is 100% perfect? How can you love someone if you know that they have imperfections? How can you love someone if you know they have imperfections? The answer is, is you're willing to overlook those imperfections. The only way to love someone is to recognize their virtues over their flaws. 
when we're able to look at another person, when we're able to see that another person has virtues and they also have flaws, so it's okay. Am I willing to accept their virtues over their flaws? I'll tell you an amazing thing. The Chavetz Chaim says something remarkable. Chavetz Chaim says that if someone tells you Lashon Hara, you're not allowed to accept it. That's what the Torah teaches us. You're not allowed to accept Lashon Hara. Okay, so what happens in the following case? Someone comes over to you and gives you some really juicy Lashon Hara about your neighbor. Lashon Hara, they speak negatively about your neighbor. So now, your natural intuition, your natural instinct would be to like start thinking, maybe it's right, maybe it's not, but I know I'm not in the back of my mind. I'm like, I'm not supposed to. But then like, then you're like, yeah, but, but this is too good to not be true. You know, it's like, and you have this, this, this conflict going on. Do you accept this or do you not accept this news? The Chavetz Chaim, and Chavetz Chaim recognizes in his book, that people are going to have a difficult time not accepting Lashon Arab at another person. See, he says an amazing piece of advice. Imagine that the person they're talking about is your father. Imagine, Dave, someone comes over to you and says, do you know that your dad stole money from so-and-so? Like, not my dad. My dad's an honest businessman. He would never do such a thing. I, I know my dad, right? Because it's very hard for us to see the negative in the people that we love and the people that we care about. But it's somebody else. Oh, that's no problem. The minute you change the person, change the face for a second, you'll suddenly, you'll suddenly have the strength and the ability to see the positive. Well, all we had to do is make it now that this was someone that we loved, someone that we cared about. And now it's much more difficult. And we'll, and if someone said that to us about our child, oh, you know, your child is this and that. And like, we just push it aside because the love we have for our child is so much greater. We're choosing to take their virtues over their flaws. That's how you love someone. Anger is when we choose the flaws over the love, over the virtues. Now, is it possible to get angry at someone that you love? Yes. Is it possible to get angry at a child? Yes. Is it possible to get angry at a spouse? Yes. These are all possible. But how do we mitigate? How do we remove that potential of getting angry at someone that we love? Even, by the way, if it's justified, let's say I'm right. Okay. Big point that many people have challenges with, right? So, honey, uh, are we going to the wedding? Yes. I'll be ready in five minutes, right? And he's waiting by the door and five minutes turns into, you know, it's, it's like they say that women getting ready to go to the wedding is like men saying there's only five minutes left to the game. It's the same thing because it's never just five minutes to the game. It's five minutes on the clock, but that five minutes can take another 60 minutes, right? So what happens when we are, when things don't go so you, you, the way you want it to go? So we can get frustrated. We can get angry. Or 
I remember seeing a very righteous person who was waiting for their spouse. And instead of getting frustrated, they opened up a, a book and they continued preparing for their lecture. And they were very happy to have another 20 minutes, a half hour. What? My time doesn't mean anything to you. My time, if your time meant so much for you, you'd maximize it a different way. Right? We always have things that don't go our way. So I had a live example of this tonight. So someone called me last minute as I was about to leave the office tonight and uh, earlier tonight. And he says, can you just do me a favor? I had to leave town. I need something picked up. It's going to be ready at 5.30. It will be ready at 5.30. Can you just be there at 5.30, pick it up? And so I said, sure, no problem. I'll go on my way home. I'll I'll just run 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 that errand. Okay. It's very important. It was time-sensitive matter, and it needed to be taken care of tonight, not tomorrow. Okay, that type. So I get there at 5.30. I didn't leave till 6.30. And there I am preparing my notes for the anger class, right? <laughs> and, right? And I was like, okay. And so it, it, it's so important. It's so important for a person to always remember, right? There's no need to get angry. It's not going to go your way. It's fine. It's fine. So I just went outside and waited in fresh air and enjoyed some of the Houston sunset. And it was time that I was able to like, you know, just organize some thoughts and think through what we're going to talk about tonight. And okay, now I have some quiet time that I can, and my phone died. So that was even better. So I had no, no, like when it rains, it pours, you know, right? Okay. But here's the most important thing of when you talk about anger. When you realize that Hashem custom designs your challenges and he gives you the exact challenge that is going to, you know, bother you in that specific way, it's much easier to overcome it because it's within your ability to accomplish it. A person needs to realize that every single frustrating thing that happens to you every single day was handcrafted by the Almighty to test you as an individual, how you're going to overcome it. And many times, the moment you declare and decide, this is not going to bother me anymore, it stops. The, the nuisance, the annoying thing just disappears. There was a guy in class, one of these classes, about 10 years ago. And there was a fly that was flying around the room, but it was circling around this guy the entire time. And he was sitting there in the classroom trying to bat this fly and, and it was bothering him. It was like, ah, can you get out of here already? And he was like, you know, something so simple and something, and he was like, you know, landing on his head. And again, he's trying to, like, it's just annoying him. So I said, I said, we stopped the class and I said, do you know why that fly is bothering you? 
because you're letting it bother you. The moment you say, the fly is not going to bother me anymore, it's just not going to bother you anymore. And it's going to go away and and disappear. And sure enough, he's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's going to continue bothering me. I'm like, okay, let's try it. You, you were there in the class? Were you there? You remember that? And sure enough, sure enough, the guy's like, okay, it's not going to bother me anymore. I'm not going to let it bother me anymore. And that was it. It was the last time he saw that fly. Hashem gives you, each individual, a challenge for you to overcome whatever it is that you're challenged with. He gives us that special person to annoy us, to get us to a point where it doesn't bother us anymore, to elevate ourselves, to uplift ourselves to a place where we're better than we were before. Things don't have to be always be pleasing to us. And when they're not pleasing to us, we can get frustrated. But that doesn't mean that we act on it or that we say anything. I think the first part of not getting angry is what Ramban told us. Always use pleasant words. Being frustrated, irritated, annoyed versus being angry. And I think that the difference is, yeah, we can have frustrations. That's fine. That's not necessarily anger. Anger is when you lash out. I remember I was once in someone's office. Someone I was, I was learning with for years. We were learning together and he used his business he used to go and have like a, one of these shows in Vegas or, you know, they go and they have like this whole display and a whole thing. And he for years had a corner booth and the corner booths are strategic. So you get the traffic from all four directions. It's very important. I understand that. We all understand that, right? So one year he outsourced the reservation for his booth to his top employee. And I remember it was like an employee eh, came in, out. Okay, a few weeks later I was there and he gets the the draft of his order for the, you know, what to prepare and how to prepare his booth and et cetera, et cetera. And he notices that it's not a corner booth. And this guy turned from normal human being to crazy mode in a second. I'm talking, he was not human anymore. I mean, angry, mad, yelling, screaming, kicking, idolatry. That's what it was. It was me. It was me, me, me. That's what I heard. And it's even more challenging in this generation that we call the I generation. It's not a coincidence that we have the iPhone, the iPad, the iMac, the i uh, whatever you call those things, right? They're all of the eyes. It's because I am the center of the universe. It's narcissism at its best. Everything is about me. And it's causing a very big problem that people can't think about others. It's about me. It's what I want. I don't let my children walk around with headphones in the house. You know, they walk around with those things because that means I'm in my own world and nobody else exists. No, you're living with other people. Put your phone down, take these things out of your ear, 
Look at other people. Look at them in their eyes and have a great conversation. Enjoy a dinner together. Instead, people today, you see people on a date. You see people going date night out together, husband and wife, and they're both on their phones. It's, it's, it's tragic. I think that putting the headphones in means the world around me doesn't exist. I'm in my own little world. I'm shutting down to the world. A hundred percent. That's why I, someone just asked me recently, why don't I have that? Because I'm on the phone so much. Why don't I have my, you know, thing to, so I don't have to hold it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was, I remember when they had the first Bluetooth things. You remember those, those little Bluetooth things that go around your ear and like you, and I remember it was just so, I, I, I feel that it's not, you know, it's not respectful to your, to the people around you. You're, you're like, you're locked in your own world and everybody else is that. So I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Yes. This whole, that's right. This whole aggression on the, on the roads, the, 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 the road rage is, is, is again, it's, it's a, it's just a, a, it's a, um, it's just telling of what this generation has become. It's become a generation that everything is about the me. And, it, and it, you have to, it's even in the way the foods are named, you know, it's one of the examples we gave in, in the, in the book. Uh, you know, it used to be kreplach, knedelach. There was, it's a plural. It's for us. It's, it was, it was a food that we all ate. Now it's not. It's bisli for me. It's right. li, ten li. It's all of my, it's all of, it's for me. It's like the same thing as the I, the I uh, generation. Uh, maybe that's a good, a good marketing thing for WeWorks, right? Uh, for those, uh, but the, the idea I think is, is pretty clear that the world is greater than just us. Now, notwithstanding that, a person should always say, the Talmud says, Bishvili nivraha olam, the world was created for me. So if the world was created for me, then everything should go my way. No, that's not what it means. Right? The world was created for me. That means that everything that comes my way is a custom-made challenge for me. It was placed into this world to test me, to help me grow, to become a better person. I heard this once from one of my rabbis, this is probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago. He said the following thing in one of, one of his lectures. He said it was Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, you know, you're trying to be focused. You're trying to be all present. You're trying to be davening. With, with the greatest kavana, with the greatest, you know, thought, clarity. And it doesn't stop bothering him that the guy sitting next to him, his button, because of the shuckling back and forth, his button keeps hitting the table. You know, he keeps hearing that, that, that noise of the thing and it's irritating him. And it's irritating him. And more and more, it's like, can't this guy stop it already? Like inside, it's like building up this whole thing, you know, until he realizes that it wasn't even his friend's jacket. It was his own. And many times, the things that bother us about other people are the things that really bother us within ourselves. It bothers me about me. And if a person is able to realize that this whole world is a place for us, it, it's, this is a playground. You know, when they're developing software, 
they put it in what's called a sandbox. And that's where you play around with it. You play around with it, you test it out, you try all the different things, you try, and you figure out what are the mistakes, what are, this world is a sandbox for perfection. God put us here to test us and to give us, and to give us all the tools we need. To give us all the tools we need to overcome those challenges and to perfect ourselves. That's what it's all about. What the, the Torah is, is teaching us the importance of patience. Because if we don't have patience, we're bound to get angry. And when we're not containing ourselves, when we're not holding ourselves the way we should, that's when we explode and that's when anger takes over. Is a famous story in the Talmud about Rav Preda. Rav Preda was teaching a student and everything that he taught the student he needed to review 400 times for him. Imagine reviewing the same verse 400 times. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd probably go nuts. 400 times. So one day, 400 times, he reviewed the idea to the student, and the student didn't get it. So he repeated it another 400 times. And the Talmud brings this as an example of what it means to have patience, but the, the tool to overcome anger is a famous story about Hillel. There were two individuals that got into a dispute about whether or not they got into a bet, into a wager of whether or not they can get Hillel angry. Hillel was the leader of the Jewish people. So this guy says, I bet you 400 gold coins that I can get Hillel angry. So Friday afternoon, which is the busiest day in every Jewish home, they're preparing for Shabbos. So this guy, this guy goes to uh, the bathhouse where Hillel is bathing, preparing himself for Shabbos, and he starts yelling, Hillel, does anybody know who Hillel is? Anybody Hillel? And Hillel takes a coat, a, t- a towel, dries himself off, gets dressed, goes out of the bathhouse and says, is anybody here looking for me? He says, oh, are you Hillel? Hillel, I have a very important question. He says, yes, my son, ask, ask my son. What can I do for you? He says, I want to know why is it that the, uh, that the, the people from Persia have egg-shaped heads? So he says, wow, that's such an important question that you're asking my son. He says, let me explain to you. He says, the midwives in Persia are not skilled and they don't know how to hold the baby when the baby is born and therefore they get an egg-shaped head. He says, oh, Thank you so much, Hillel. Thank you. Hillel asks, do you have any other questions? He says, no, 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 thank you. Okay, Hillel goes back in, gets undressed, goes into the, into the bathhouse, into, 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 into bathe again, and suddenly he hears from outside, Hillel, Hillel, does anybody know where Hillel is? Sure enough, he goes out, he tries himself off again, gets dressed again, goes back outside, and he says, anybody looking for me? This guy says, yes. Are you Hillel? Yes, I'm Hillel. How can I help you, my son? 
He says, I have an important question. He says, why do people from the Far East have eyes that are squinted? See, he says, uh, it's a great question, my son. It's a great question you're asking. He says, it's because they live in, in, in a terrain that has a lot of sand and the wind blows the sand and God made their eyes like that so that the sand doesn't go into their eyes. He says, wow. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Any other questions? No other questions. Great. He goes back inside, gets undressed, goes back into the bath. Again, same thing happens again. Hillel, Hillel, Hillel gets out, dries himself off, gets dressed. Now, which one of us wouldn't go crazy from this? Right? Excuse me, just ask me your questions. What are you doing? Right? What, what's, what's going on over here? The last question he asked him was, why do the people in Africa have very wide feet. So he explains to them, because in Africa there's quicksand, and Hashem gave them those types of feet so that they don't sink in the, in the quicksand. Any other question, my son? No other questions. He says, are you the Hillel that people say is the leader of the Jewish people? He says, indeed. He says, well, there should never be anyone like you again. He says, why? Why do you say this, my son? And he says, because of you, I lost 400 gold coins in a wager. He said, says, I bet someone that I can get you angry. Listen to Hill's response. He says, it's worth it for you to lose double so that I not get angry. Why is it so important for Hillel not to get angry? What's that? Exactly. You, you anger means that you. It's like you're holding a balloon, right? You're holding a balloon. There's something precious inside that balloon. It's called dignity. It's called you know your humanity. When you pop that balloon, that's anger. Everything falls and disappears. Everything is being held in that balloon. Anger means I'm popping that balloon and all everything explodes. It's not worth it for 800 gold coins for Hillel to get angry. It's such an important lesson for us. If we can just imagine that when something doesn't go our way, so you, you know, uh, we, an amazing siyata deshmaya, assistance from above. So we recently flew to Israel, Zahav and I, with our baby, a little uh, five-month-old baby, and I was advised to make sure to purchase a bassinet for the baby on the flight, which is the bulkhead seat. So that way you don't have to hold a baby for 13 hours, right? You can just have the baby there and it's, it's okay. So I paid extra money and had that seat reserved for us. Going there, we went to the, got to the desk early and we checked in. Like you just want to make sure they're like, actually, you don't have that seat, but I see that you bought it. So I'm going to give you that seat and they rearrange the seats and they give us that seat when we, okay, it was great. No problem. When we're leaving Israel, classic Israel, we say, you know, we just want to confirm that we have a bassinet seat. Sure. I see it right here. No problem. You have a bassinet seat. Not even close. Okay. Not only was it a bassinet, it was like, like, if you can have like seat like 9,043K, 
that's the one we were in. Like, you know what I mean? It's like not even possible to, for the, that. And, uh, we get, we get to, you know, we get on the plane and like, no, nah, this is, doesn't look like it. Okay. But there were, it was a smaller plane anyway. But when we get from Turkey to Houston, which is the long, a long flight, it's a 13 hour flight. And we get on the plane and our seat is not bassinet seat. So there are different ways you can approach this. You can approach this the Ramban's way is speak all your words with pleasantness, with a pleasant manner. Don't get angry. Don't get it. I paid for the seat. What's right? Right. You can make a whole big uproar. What, what, which, which option? Many people, because it doesn't go my way and it's justified. People get angry. And it was the most, really, I think the only reason that they gave us the seat at the end was because it was pleasant. It wasn't confrontational. It wasn't angry. It wasn't yelling, kicking, screaming, screaming. And it's mostly due to my wife. My wife went and says, you know, I, I think we, we paid for a, a bulkhead bassinet seat with the baby and holding a baby for 13 hours is not going to be good for anybody. Um, particularly not for the people around us. Right. And, you know, sitting like that is just going to, you know, holding a baby the entire flight. We're going to be those people, you know, I have a crying baby the entire flight. And, uh, and it, 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 we were like doubtful that they would even take care of it. And she says, you know, I spoke to the crew manager and they said, after everyone boards, we're going to change the seats. So it's like, come on. They never change the seats after once the doors are closed, it's over. That's the way it is. But sure enough, the guy came in, he see, took two people. He says, sorry, you were put in a seat that someone else purchased. And he didn't give them a choice. They're like, well, I, you know, I want to stay here. Like, sorry, you're in the wrong seat out. And he like, he, you know, gave us, gave us that seat. But I, I think it was, it, it was a lesson in how I'm not talking diplomacy, I'm talking just talk like a human being. Um, I don't know. I don't know. They're right. Exactly. A lesson. It was for the lesson. It was to test us. That's right. That's right. Yes, absolutely. It was to test us. That's why it wasn't. And it could have, it could have very easily just been the right seat. Like, what's the big deal? It's like someone paid for it. Just give it to them, right? No. You have to have something that, uh, that always reinforces the virtues of good midos. Um, you know what? I didn't notice them mad, but they were sitting so far back that I wouldn't, I told you they're sitting like seat 9,000. K and H. Yes, you had a question, Anna. Yes. So when you were talking about the Rambam and the Golden Path, so you said to go to the extreme to avoid anger and embrace the opposite. What is the opposite? Patience. It is patience. Yes, an absolute extreme patience. An extreme patience. Again, imagine you're holding a delicate balloon. And when you are are getting angry, you're popping that balloon and everything, all of the investment that we've made into ourselves can disappear. Poof, gone. And that's what we're trying to uh, eliminate. When we work on our anger, what we're doing is we're removing the danger of losing ourselves, losing our character, losing our judgment. 
losing our relationships. Right? And, and it could be even a one timer that someone really ruins relationships because when they get angry, they say things that they shouldn't be saying. And they look like, if you've seen someone who's in a rage, they look, they, it's terrible. They look like a, like a, like a, a beast, you know, like overtakes them. It's not, it's not, it's not very pleasant. Okay. So quitters never win and winners never quit. Losing your temper means you're a quitter. Okay. Losing your temper means you're a quitter. So the, 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 the Talmud gives us two different phrases to always carry with us in our pocket so that we don't fall into anger. The first is Gam Zulatova. Gam Zulatova. This is also for the good. Now, that doesn't mean that we understand how it's best, but it's, it's a way for us to encourage ourselves that we'll get past this. It's okay. The other is called the Ovid Rahmana Latavavid. Everything the Almighty does is for the good. Everything the Almighty does is for the good. You may not see it. You may not know it. You may not know how, but it's for the good. And if a person is able to contain themselves, they're able to repeat this. Gamzul Tova, this too is for the good. In what way? We have no idea in what way. We may find out later. We may find out in a year or 10 days or never. But it's for the best. How many times do we have instances where things seem to be the worst, worst they can ever be to only wait a few minutes and see that it's the best thing actually that could ever have happened for us? Right? Someone backs into your car. Right? Like a person can get angry. You know, there's, there's, uh, actually a friend of mine bought a very, very expensive car and he was, uh, waiting at a red light and the guy behind him hit him in the back, you know, tapped him. And it's a really expensive car. And he, he said he, he was going to get into a rage. He was going to get into a rage. And he realized it's not worth it. It's not worth it to lose your humanity for a car, even an expensive car. It's not worth it. Went out, said to the guy, don't worry, it's okay. You know, it was a mistake. We'll handle it. No need to get upset. What? Because here's the thing. What changes when you get angry? Well, everything and nothing. Like, nothing is going to change because you got angry. Nothing is going to change because now you're yelling and screaming. But everything changes in yourself. You lose yourself. And that's a terrible, terrible place for a person to be. When someone quits because of frustration, because they're, they're angry, you lose credibility with yourself. You lose self-confidence. You lose it, it. There's a lot that goes out with that anger. The best way of dealing with frustration is learning to accept 
differences. Accept it as a challenge and love it. You know, someone once told me, he's an executive of a, of a big company, he told me he learned something. He drafts emails, he doesn't send emails. There are times that, you know, a person can be on Twitter and they want to write, oh, nasty, angry message. They want to write an, a nasty email. He says, I draft emails. I don't send emails. And it, I think it's such an important lesson. You know what? It could be an exercise. Write it out. Get, let, 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 let off the steam and then delete it. Then delete it. There's no need to display your anger online, especially today. It's becoming a bigger problem. In the, not today, the past 20 years, all of the cyberbullying, the problem with it is that if you met the people, they're nice people, and they would never talk like that, and they would never act like that. But because they're behind the screen, and there's like a you know secondary, tertiary uh, link to who they are, because they could be hiding behind the name, they could be a fake name. So they feel like it's okay for me to say something, that's not really nice. Something that could be hurtful to another person. Just a side note to be careful about that, about that. So we need to focus on our progress. And that when we overcome even the slightest frustration to appreciate that. And even if it's a small thing, appreciate the small steps. Savor them. We mentioned previously, in the beginning of class, we mentioned that anger is like idolatry. Why is it compared to idolatry? Because who are you taking marching orders from? Are you taking marching orders from the Almighty or from your own your own, you know, lack of self-control. You know, one of the most encouraging phrases that we learn in Judaism is Sheva Yipol Tzadik Vikam. A righteous person falls seven times. What does it mean seven? What is the number seven? Seven is the natural state. The natural state of someone who's great is that you fall and get back up. You fall and get back up. That's the natural state. That's the reality. A human being who is a growing person is always going to face challenges. You're going to fall and you're going to fail and you're going to slip and there are times that you're going to get angry. But you know what? You fall, you fall down, you get back up. There's nothing wrong with apologizing and saying, you know what? I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I got angry. I shouldn't have. Forgive me. I'm better than that. And to find a way to practice accepting differences. The more we're able to do this, the stronger that muscle is going to be. When we're willing to accept, I remember this, when we started all of our classes, the Shalhevet classes, which we were, we were going around to all these different congregations and from 
many different backgrounds of people, people from all different shapes and sizes. And it was a, it was a beautiful uh, introduction to a world that I was completely unfamiliar with. And people who believed in different things, people who, uh, you know, whether it was in religion that they had different beliefs, whether it was in, in society, in values and morals, it's just like, it was such a, an unbelievable plethora of people. It was really, it was special. And I remember sometimes people would ask certain things and I, I would have to like, well, that's, cr-. no, I'm not going to say that. Right? No. Our instinct is to, that's crazy. What's wrong with you? How could you? But you have to learn that it's okay. They have a different perspective. They have a different way to look at things. And it doesn't need to be the way I look at it. Even though every person thinks that their opinion is, or their perspective is the right one. It doesn't necessitate. And by the way, we're not always right. Right? Our children don't always see things eye to eye with us. That doesn't mean that we're right because we're the parents. We can make mistakes too. I think, by the way, the Talmud says that a, a, a father should never instill anger in his home. Anger is a dangerous weapon when it comes to a household. Children, spouses should never be in fear. They should always feel that it's a comfortable place, it's a loving place, it's a happy place. Once there's anger, there's this uncertainty. There's this, nobody knows, like, you know, everyone's stepping on eggshells, like, be careful. It's not a healthy place for, for children to live. It's not a healthy relationship, a, a place for, a, for a healthy relationship. When you know that God provides the challenge, then you know that you can succeed. You know, the, the question that we've talked about numerous times of how is it that Israelis are always on edge? Israelis are always on edge. You can be in Houston for 20 years and not hear a car honk. Right? You never hear a car honk. But yet you go to Israel and it is like, at every hour of the day, by the way, cars are honking and it's like the impatience. I once explained to someone, I said, do you realize that they have a missile aimed at their doorstep? Something we, it's hard for us to comprehend. They have missiles facing their doorstep. Kind of makes you a little mashuga, no? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But again, it's still, it's, it. Right, but Cuba and uh, North Korea is a far cry from your neighbors a mile away, two miles away. Right, I was on the rooftop of the Sterot Yeshiva, and they've had missiles. They have a big, giant menorah made out of Katyusha rockets. 
Yeah, they had a, a welder weld together all of the rockets after they exploded, took all those scraps of metal, and they made it. I have a video of it um, on YouTube. Uh, but it's remarkable. Not only that, they also made this beautiful, beautiful tree of life, right? In the middle of the, in the middle of the Shiva, um, made out of those rockets. But they're two miles. Sorry, not two miles, two kilometers. It's less than two miles from the Gaza border. You think they're a little on edge? A little? Just a little? You have hundreds of rockets being being uh, sent your way randomly at two, three in the morning. You have fifteen seconds, fifteen seconds to get into your bunker. I have a picture of a playground. They made a playground. I think is the most innovative because the problem is that children have this this anxiety in this like fifteen seconds. So they made all over the city this playgrounds. It's the most incredible thing. Wherever you look, there's a playground. We're on the rooftop of the yeshiva on the playground, 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 playground. Everywhere there's a playground. Because what they did was they realized the kids need to get outside. The kids need to be healthy. They can't be locked up in a, in a, in a, uh, secured room. So what it is, they made playgrounds. Very cool. In the playgrounds, built into the playgrounds are bunkers. So the bunkers are like slides that go in. Right, they have like they made a playground out of the secured facility. It's so innovative. This one park had twenty-seven bunkers in it, so that when the kids were playing, okay, they hear the sirens. They just you know they continue playing the, inside their you know their outdoor secured space. And I think it was it was so innovative and like. When life gives you lemons, make tequila, right? That's what it says, right? So you just have to, you know, when life gives you rockets, you make playgrounds. And they made, it's unbelievable. We looked at it, it's like, you don't see, you know, you don't see bunkers. You don't see secured facilities. You see a kid's playground and it's like all designed. It looks like it's just like flowing, like, you know, the kid's, Riding a sliding pond through this tunnel, but really it's it's a bunker and it's so creative and so uh, so uh, innovative. But I want to share with you one of my favorite stories about what it means to be patient. Those of you who have heard it, you've heard it a hundred times, I'm sure, from me. But someone once called Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's house on Friday afternoon and asked. Can I please speak? This woman, elderly woman, calls and asks, can I please speak to Rabbi Feinstein? Student who answered the phone said, I'm sorry, Rabbi Feinstein is not available. How can I help you? She says, I wanted to know what time candlelighting is. Student says, okay. He tells her what time. He says, you know, you don't need to call Rabbi Feinstein, a very prominent rabbi, to ask him for candlelighting time. You can just look at any Jewish calendar. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been calling Rabbi Feinstein for the past 25 years. He's never said anything about calendars. Every single week she'd call to ask what time candlelighting was and he lovingly, patiently, he never picked up the phone and said, excuse me, do you know who you're speaking to? Do you know who I am? Never. He was the most humble person. 
It was once a student came in and heard Rabbi Moshe Feinstein yelling at another student. Like, really, like he, like he was angry. Came in, student left one door, the new student walks in, he comes, he sees Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, smiling and is happy. He's like, I, I thought I just heard you angry. He says, me be angry? He says, no, that student needed a message that was firm and like, you know, very, very strong message. So I made believe that I was angry for him. But for me to get angry? No. Think another, another story about Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein was once, you know, every time people would see him, the people would gather around. They want to hear his wisdom. They want to hear from his Torah. And most of his Torah was in the way he carried himself, in the way he walked, in the way he talked, in the way he acted with dignity and honor and respect for other people. It wasn't only his Torah. He lived, he was a living Torah. So when people would crowd around him, and you know, people you'd get to finally get to his car, you know, everyone would crowd around, you know, people would ask him questions, and he was known as a halachic master. Uh, he knew all of Torah, and people would ask him questions all day, and he would answer. So they were walking him from the shul to his car. And as soon as they get, get into the car, someone closes the door and the driver drives off. When they turn the corner, the rabbi, Rabbi Feinstein, asks the driver, can you stop the car? Sure, is everything okay? Rabbi Feinstein opens the door and pulls his hand out of the door. So the driver said, you know, it's very painful. Like, what? why didn't you tell me when we started the drive? Why did you wait till we turned the corner? He says, can you imagine how embarrassed the person who closed the door would be to know that they closed the door on my hand? I don't want to embarrass that person. Right? Now, I'll tell you what is not a patient person. What is the exact opposite of what greatness is? I saw a video of the Pope. The Pope had, I guess it was mass or something, and this woman was wanted to show her love and her appreciation or admiration for the Pope. So she sort of like reached out to give a hug or of some sort. And you can see his face. He was angry and like pushed her off like, like in a really like disgusting manner. An unbefitting manner. With anger. With impatience. With not realizing it's another human being. That's not a Torah way. That's not the way we act. The Torah teaches us how to be a refined person. How to have respect for every person. How to cherish every relationship. So uh, I want to end off with a with a story from the from the Chazonish. Chazonish was a a brilliant Torah scholar, and again, someone who worked on himself not only with his mind for Torah, but with his actions. So a father once came to uh, the Chazonish and says, "You know, what do I do with my son? He keeps talking in shul." See, the Chazanish said, what did you do? He says, well, I yelled at him. 
She says, oh, that's, that's fabulous. You taught your son that it's okay to get angry. You taught your son that it's okay to get angry. All the wrong messages sometimes. Sometimes people think like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shrug my child off and I'm gonna, no, that's not what parenting is. Parenting first, first step in parenting is love. Love, 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 love. Love your children. When you love them, you'll find the absolute best way to educate them, so to speak. It's critically important for a person to understand that you know, my, my wife, when I was sitting at the dinner table tonight, I told everyone I'm going to be talking about anger. Does anybody have anything they want me to share? So I've said she saw a great quote. It said, forgiving you is a gift for you. But letting go is a gift for me. Sometimes people hold on to resentment. People have anger. People have, right? yeah, I forgive you. That's, that's the gift for you. But when a person is ready to let go from themselves, from the anger that they still hold, that's the gift for you. Forgiving you is a gift for you. Letting go is a gift for me. So it's like my, my son says, he says, frustration is inevitable. Pain is a choice. It's a good, a good, uh, either way, my dear friends, anger, anger is bad. Anger is no good. Anger is a no-no. And we should do everything we can to eliminate anger from our repertoire. It shouldn't be a tool that we ever look at. It shouldn't be a tool that we ever try to access. It should be completely remove ourselves. I think if we go down to the, to the core of it, anger comes because we don't realize that everything comes from Hashem. If we realize that everything comes from Hashem, then when that frustrating experience happens and you come to the flight and they say, sorry, the flight is closed. What do you mean a flight is closed? You realize, oh, Hashem, you're smiling at me. You're testing me. You're testing me. Hashem is testing us. And this is the task of each and every one of us. We all have situations that come up every single day that could be frustrating, that could be, uh, it could be, uh, more than angering. It could be, you know, boiling our blood. It's fine. Take it on as a challenge. Take 15 minutes a day, 15, just 15 minutes a day to accept things that don't go your way. 10 o'clock to 10.15 in the morning or whatever time you pick. Everything that happens at that time, you're just going to, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Right? You don't have to turn the channel to only the news that you like. You don't have to, uh, you know, Read the paper, only the section that you like, or only the team that you like. Take it all in. It's all part of the life experience. Hashem should bless us that we should have the strength to overcome all anger. 
and to succeed, God willing, in this endeavor of always accepting the differences. That doesn't mean that we become part of those differences, but we tolerate them. It's okay. We should have that strength. We should have that success. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.